Welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast. I'm your host today, Sean Riley, CMO of King's Crowd, and joining me is founder and CEO of Rise, Mr. Trong Pham. Trong, how's it going, man? It's going great. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, it's a little toastier than I would like, but that's, you know, the bargain I made when I moved to D.C. Uh, the summer, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, now, you're a resident of Toronto, which has a bearing on our conversation today because uh, spoiler alert to our listeners, you are a Canadian citizen that has been very active in the U.S. capital markets for years. Would you tell me when we met, you were like, New York City is my second home or something? Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you kind of hacked our crowdfunding markets, and I kind of need to know more about this because it's really, really cool, your whole story. Um, but first, um, so you're, again, resident of Toronto. Where are you located now? I'm still based in Toronto. Um, the borders just reopened up, so I'm resuming my flights to the US. So that's great on our end. Uh, but prior to COVID, I was in New York once a week at the very least. For sure, yeah. Is there a train or is there a plane that pops down from Toronto? Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a plane right from our airport to New York. Oh, and the main, air, the main airport's only 20 minute right away to, um, to Longoria. So very, I'm either very. popping in one of those flights, but the flight's an hour to an hour and a half max. Awesome. So yeah. um, first, what is Rise for our listeners that do not know? So Rise is a IoT smart device company, and we have this little gadget right here in my background, um, and it allows you to motorize and automate your window shades. So when we started the I company, we looked around. It gets toasty up here. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I'll definitely get to that because there's a huge clean tech angle that um, a lot of people don't realize, and we didn't realize until we got started. But um, you know, when we when we delved into it, we received a lot of government funding on a clean tech angle. Right. Um, but, um, the device itself, very simple. Um, it's a DIY device, uh, the most affordable solution to automate window shades by, by far. And, uh, the reason why we developed this is because we looked around in the market for smart home gadgets and we, we found smart locks, smart doorbells, smart thermostats, security systems, but there's no real solution for shading and, and blinds right? and uh, no affordable solution at that. And it's funny because I was talking to by a factor like four or something, I think I saw. Oh man, uh, I didn't realize this, but um, I was talking to a, um, a VC and I was, um, they were asking about like, pricing on Amazon and they saw a, a very low price on Amazon. Then I, then I told them, hold up, go into the listing, change the window size, and it, it jumped up to 500 bucks Oh man! from, from 150. Yeah. So window size is a huge driver. We're, we're 150, regardless of size wow. or weight of the shade, we're a retrofit. And I looked at um, another player in the space, uh, one of the largest players, and their prices range from 500 bucks to 1500 per window. So one, two, yeah, this gets expensive. Uh, exactly. Awesome. How did you come up with this idea? So, um, you know, after we looked around and we saw an opportunity here, um, it was actually an idea, of, let's take a step back, um, I experienced where... I was moving to a condo and, you know, like I said, I was looking around for smart home devices. I got all of them that I wanted. I got a, a smart thermostat, a smart door lock, all of that. Um, couldn't get smart shading. So I opted in for manual shades, right? With the ones with the beaded chains, like the ones you see behind me. Right. And um, a couple months later, just like you mentioned, it got really hot in the summer. So I went back to the same dealer and I'm like, hey, listen, I, I bought these shades from you a couple months ago. It's about 250 bucks each. And um, I want to get them automated now. And they told me, no, you have to replace them with brand new motorized shades. I'm like, what do you mean? That's ridiculous. I just bought these from you literally a few months ago. I'm not going to replace them. And they told me, well, there's no product in the market that allows you to retrofit on your existing shades. And, and I thought that was silly. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a simple motor. You put on the window frame and controls the change of cord. Yeah. 
and they said that product doesn't, yeah, doesn't looking, exist. I got the I, right there. Like I, I'm looking at them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I Googled it. Turns out a product didn't exist. And that was kind of like the, the eureka moment for us. So why is this a good idea? Given that the smart home, you know, you got the nests on which I'm sure you had and all that, like yeah. why the shades? So we, when we looked at it from a business perspective, it was a huge opportunity. No other company was doing shading. And, you know, from a business, we don't want to be entering a market or industry that has so much competition. So no one, uh, no big do uh, dominant player was doing shading and no one was doing retrofits at that. Right. So we saw an opportunity to do this. And because, because it's such a new and novel concept, we received like significant patents around it and very strong patents that allow us to really block any copycats off Amazon at that. Wow. Um, so that's the opportunity we saw. Uh, and if you look at the other players out there, there's large players that do traditional motorized shades, you know, with the blinds and whatnot, yeah. publicly traded companies out there, you know, $5 billion market cap, and they generate a billion dollars a year in annual revenue. So it shows you how big the market is for traditional motorized shades that really target new builds. Yeah. Uh, but new builds is only 10% of the market. 90% of the market have manual shades installed. And that's what we're targeting. Right. So that's a big opportunity we saw. And I can imagine from a, um, you know, a green energy perspective, the big opportunity there is that, you know, you can automate the temperature all you want. You can do this, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, the sun is going to cook whatever room we're talking about. If it's got the right angle, it generates all the energy it's on the planet. And there's nothing you can do about it except cover it up. Exactly. So funny enough, when we launched, we were, we thought we were going to be, you know, solely next, a smart home play. And then all these large commercial buy your nest, um, buy your smart lock, exactly. buy your, what is it? The ring doorbell. And then exactly. Buy your smart shade. Exactly. That's exactly like the, 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 the thought process we had in mind when a consumer would, um, you know, load up on smart home devices. Um, but then all these commercial buildings started reaching out to us, large global, you know, billion dollar real estate empires reaching out to us for a solution to simply automate their shades uh, during evenings and weekends, lower the shades during evenings yeah. mm -hmm. and the weekends when no one's in the office like because they have that very problem. Yeah. Commercial yes. property. Yeah. So, so Chicago, New York, any um, glass building, um, they were complaining that, you know, um, in the weekends, no one's in the office. The shades are open, so the HVAC is really cooling in empty space, and it's just wasted energy. And with the new regulations that New York is particularly facing, Local Law 97, um, all these buildings over 25,000 square feet have to be net zero by 2030. Oh man! All retrofits have to be net zero by 2050. What? So they're looking for solutions to block out um, nine years. You know, any kind of energy leak. Yeah, yeah. Wow, nine years. Any building over 25,000 feet in New York City has to be net zero, carbon neutral, whatever's. Uh, every every new build has been net zero by wow. 20, 2030. That's a lot. Every, every existing building has been net zero by 2050, but there's interim targets. Right, yeah. So um, Fifth Wall did a whole study around this and they predicted that New York City landlords will incur 10 billion in annual fines if they don't get to net zero. And to retrofit their buildings to get to net zero, we will be 1 billion a year in, in annual fees, in annual expenses. So. It just makes sense to get there um, from a, a from a cost perspective, and um, you know that was one of the one of the kind of eureka, another eureka moment. Where we're like, hey, hey, man, like if we automate our shades, we could save a lot of money and energy. And the more we looked into it, 
uh, we, we found the New York Times buildings. We found all these other commercial buildings implementing automated shades to save energy. And we looked at the energy savings. We're talking about you know 24% reduction in HVAC cooling loads, um, up to 74% reduction in lighting consumption as well, oh. just by using natural daylight to light up your room. So right. there is a huge benefit in um, having automated shades. Have you put um, your shades beyond, anywhere I know, like the Chrysler building or the Pentagon or something crazy? No, no. The, the last uh, project we did was for Related. Um, they're the largest U.S. held privately held developer. Okay. Um, they own the, you know, the Hudson Yards and whatnot in New York City. Um, we did a project for them in San Francisco for uh, a building called the Avery. Cool. Very, very cool. Um, so... What year did you kind of build a prototype or whatever, like your first model, once you decided to do this thing? So 2015 was when the idea was uh, conceived. Um, we spent 2015, 16 prototyping, um, going to China, getting everything made and prototyped. Um, and we be began shipping our first generation device towards the end of 2017. Have you run into any so, problems with that lately? I know we're like, you know, arguing yes. a little bit. <laughs> Um, lately, yes, it's mainly because of the whole issue through COVID. Yeah. So initially when COVID hit, um, the border shut down and no one, could, no one could fly in and out of China. And if you did fly to China, you have to go standard two week quarantine. You're stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was, it was basically a headache. Um, one of our team members actually had to do that regardless because we just had to be in China. Wow. So, um, yeah, so he, he kind of, um, bit the bullet for he the team. And went over to, yeah. <laughs> but the good thing is that we ended up hiring a full-time team member in China. There you go. Um, so now they manage everything for us, uh, exclusively for us as a um, full-time employee. And um, they, they, do, they do everything from procurement, overseeing production, quality control, all of that. So that's been a real help. Um, but uh, to get to your um, question, um, the situation in China is more about the components, the shortages. So when Sorry we used to plan, you know, yeah, like yeah. I think uh, even Apple's facing shortages in chips and whatnot. But you know, previously it was a three more, three four month lead time for production. Now you're talking about six, nine, twelve months. So, yeah, our next batch, um, we were actually planning to place a PO tomorrow, uh, expected to be completed likely by March. Wow. Okay. All right. So flash forward, you get your prototype. You guys, you know, you go on. Then we start getting into um, early last year. And um, if memory serves, you basically had a term sheet up from a venture capitalist. Yeah, so we had a term sheet um, and this was right before COVID hit. Um, I think it was three, four months of diligence, um, the lawyers doing their work and whatnot. And um, it must have been fun. everything was done. It was, it, was, uh, it was interesting, first time experience dealing with um, yeah. the lawyers and the VCs in this regard. It was a long, long uh, process. Um, went through went through the whole diligence process. Everything was signed off. Um, you know, term sheet was signed, dil diligence done. Waiting for the um, you know the final kind of wire moment, and then COVID hits. COVID hits. They pull the term sheet. Late February, March, right? Like it was it was like the it was it was a, it was incredible the the timing. Yeah. COVID hits. They they pull the term sheet. So they and, get a um, phone call, and it's like the worst phone call an entrepreneur can get, basically. Yeah. Because like this is when um, like the they closed the borders, um, the whole city, the whole country shut shut down. It's like a ghost town. Yeah. Um, you know, no one's allowed to work, all of that, and so everyone's panicking. And um, they pulled the term sheet, and I'm panicking. Um, but um, I'm I'm still like, 
um, trying to figure things out, like what's happening with COVID, what's the government going to do? And in Canada, the government's been like really, really supportive of startups and, and small businesses and providing a lot of support. So that's, that's what ended up happening. So it was kind of a period of uh, the period of the unknown. Um, there was definitely a dark time for us when the, the term sheet was pulled. Everybody, our lawyers, like, yeah, our, our lawyers even said, um, like they had four other deals that VCs pulled the term oh, sheet. Oh yeah. You were and, not immune to this. No way. Yeah. 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 So, um, but our lawyers didn't even bill us yet. They they said, "Hey, listen, when you raise your next round, and we could deal with the bill, oh, wow, we'll slash really cool. it. Don't worry about it." Yeah, I've been working with the law firm for a while, so uh, they've been great. Yeah. Uh, they're Canadian based, so um, great guys over there. But uh, they haven't even billed us yet, so that, that was a great thing. And it was an intensive diligence process. Yeah. So, um, so COVID hits, VC pulls the term sheet, and they, if I was in their position, it was a valid argument. Their argument was, "Listen, the reason why we're investing you." And the thesis of, of, this, of this, um, this funding round is that you're going to enter the commercial real estate space. Commercial real estate is now shut down. <laughs> no one's allowed back in the office. It does not make sense for me to invest in you right. to sell yeah. it to commercial office that's shut down. Right. So, so it is a fair argument, but obviously it's a bummer. Right. And so I, um, I began to look into the market for you know, any type of funding support possible other than what the Canadian government was going to provide. And you know, they provided... Um, a shit ton of funding, funding. obviously right yeah yeah it was the canadian funding was more of a um to stop the bleeding rather than um you know to support growth yeah it was just to make sure like jobs are maintained and no one goes bankrupt even though now like even that that still happened um but um being in canada we're not exposed to the same financial products that are available in the u.s so um i didn't i didn't even know about reg uh, reg a plus i didn't even know about um reg cf you know All I knew was yeah, about Reg. You didn't know about any of this, period. I, I only knew Reg D. I only knew the idea yeah, of a Reg which D. Which is uh, been around forever. Accredited investors. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't know about Reg CF or, or Reg A plus, and I was looking at every single avenue for fun for uh, financing, and um, I came across first Reg CF, and already I don't qualify because Reg CF you have to be a U.S. corporation, yeah. a U.S. entity based in the U.S. operating in the U.S. and whatnot. I was Canadian. I didn't qualify. Yeah. And then um, when I was researching Reg CF, um, Reg A obviously popped up. And you know, the first thing that kind of um, the light bulb moment was like, hey, listen, it's open for Canadians as well. So I did a ton of research over- Is it just Canada? Say, like can a Mexican company or Ireland? Um, or, do you know? So they, they said- um, Canada and U.S. only, and I think the U.S. territories. So um, yeah. I'm not familiar with the with um, U- U.S. Um, like you know jurisdictions yeah. of the U.S. and whatnot, but Canada and the U.S. is open to this. And reggae is called uh, like a baby IPO, so I'm not terribly surprised. Right. Because, so King's Crowd, shameless plug, we're about to roll out all of our reggae data and analytics. It's a bigger market. It's much harder to find the data, but it's it's a mini IPO and. Um, Anybody that's experienced the financial markets knows that like there's U.S. companies and Canadian companies. We just kind of cross list on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the New York Stock Exchange. Yep. So I'm not surprised there's some friendship there because you guys are our neighbor of the north. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. We have the friendliest border. For sure. We're, so yes, yeah, the world's biggest, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, biggest and friendliest. So and friendliest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, so you're like, huh, this could raise me my growth money. When did exactly. Because any other options is a viable way to I looked at all the options. So um, I always like to say, you know, um, when you get pushed to the edge, you really think outside the box and get creative. 
And that's when kind of the, the best solutions come about. So yeah. I looked at all the options. I looked at even going listing on the TSX Venture Exchange. And that's um, what I was going to ask about. I was like, those aren't big companies. Like you might be able to stretch a little bit and get there. Why didn't you? Yeah. So um, I think with, um, with the TSXV and the idea of going public, I like the idea of controlling the future as well. When you go public, your share price fluctuates and people panic and it gives a lot of bad signals. Whereas with um, Reg A, you, you're able to control the pricing of the rounds going forward as well. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. And the, obviously the level of compliance is much lower than um, required for a publicly traded company. So the annual fees are much lower. Um, I spoke to, with other advisors and mentors in my space and they, they cautioned against it because of the high fees. Yeah, the, being public yeah. is, yeah, I dig it. Okay, um, so yeah. COVID hits, you, you, know, you get the, the faded phone call where they pull their term sheet. You start being like, huh, maybe this Reg A raise is an option. When was that? Was that like last summer or what? Um, no, so when, um, when, um, when the term sheet got pulled, um, I was just doing mad research on where we could get funding. And uh, this, I, I think the whole, um, the whole situation with um, uh, COVID happened in February, right? And then March and March and April, I learned about Reg A and I, w I went straight to it. I went to start filing my, uh, my 1A and get the audits done right away. Wow. So I went, I went like, I went full force into it and I, I basically watched a bunch of YouTube videos on a bunch of conferences and um, I got to give a shout That's awesome. Um, I, I got to give a shout the There's a few um, have a bunch of videos, right? So it would have been like the we funders and republics of the world. And they just have a bunch of videos up. No. So, so we funder and Republic and the other players out there, they really focus on reg CF. They, that's right. Yeah. Their, their main, their main crowdfunding uh, message was reg CF um, with reg a. Um, I just, really just Googled Reg A because that was my focus. I, I didn't focus on Reg CF. And then there was a few other players out there that um, was really talking about Reg A and the benefits of it. Um, you know, turning your customers into investors, your investors to customers, uh, really uh, building a, a huge database of followers and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so like amazing benefits with Reg A. And um, you're, like for us, we wanted to tap into the, to US, uh, the US markets for investors because as a Canadian investor or a Canadian company, it's very hard to raise money just from Canadians. Right. So that was one of the reasons we wanted to raise um, a regulation A plus round. Um, but I basically went like learned all about the industry. I mapped out this whole flow chart. Uh, I shared it with you. Um, yeah, about, we'll you get know, to that. Oh boy, should I? No. So actually just wanted we could get to, there. Yeah. So I basically wanted to say uh, the reason I definitely wanted to have you on the podcast is because um, you did something else that was interesting. You skipped over using one of the platforms for your reggae. You did not want to use a Republic or a Start Engine or a, you know any, any of those options. Um, did you consider that deeply or did you go right to what you wound up doing, which is basically hosting your own raise? No, we did. We, we actually did consider going on one of the platforms. Uh, we almost did go on one of the platforms. Uh, and then when I was continuing to do my research, um, a lot of the platforms said most of your investors are going to come from your own marketing efforts right. and um, mark and ad spend and whatnot. You're driving traffic to a third party. I came from the e-commerce space. Um, all our sales today, like we have sub 5 million in sales. That's, have, that's been online only. So wow. we're well-versed with e-commerce, um, customer acquisition, 
Instagram, Facebook, Google ads, we're really well versed with that. So um, we kind of took a step back and said, well, why am I going to drive traffic to a third party website and let them earn warrants and commission off the off right. every single investor? And they, they, they don't control the funnel itself in the sense that if an investor drops off, they don't pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, are you stuck on a process? Um, do you have any questions? Right. If we do a reggae and host a reggae on our own website, we control that entire yeah, funnel. We get the now. investor's con contact information. If they drop off, we get that information and we're able to uh, give them a call, send them an email, ask them if they have any follow-up issues and really close the deal that way. So um, can you see this okay? Yep, yep, this is yeah. great. So um, let's walk everybody through this because this this blew my mind. I'll uh, in the, in the show notes here. I'll also put the um, uh, the, the the web address and the password for this, which you're willing to share with our our, our listeners and viewers. Really, really cool. Um, all right. So somebody's an investor and they come to um, what's the domain for your rates? Invest.rise. Hellorise.com. Hellorise.com. Okay. Yeah, what's the first step that you basically created on your own here or just so i so when i learned about the reggae process i learned about and if, this is only if you plan to host your own race and save off the commissions from listing on a third-party platform right and really owning the database of all those potential investors so all the blue um cells you see there they're the they're actual entities that you have to partner with so, so technology platform, the escrow bank, broker dealers, transfer agents, and lawyers. Yeah. And the, okay. you know, obviously the SEC. <laughs> you can't avoid them. So, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is one, um, there's one group here missing. Um, and that's, that will be the auditor. They're kind of external, but you have to get an audit done prior to. And that's a given um, too. So. Yeah. So um, the technology platform is essentially the platform that facilitates the transaction. And we went to interview a few, a lot of platforms out there. Uh, we ended up using Core Connects due to their flexibility. Um, again, coming from the e-commerce space, you really want to have a platform that's flexible enough that you could customize the, che the checkout flow, optimize, continue to test to ensure that um, it's an efficient flow. Which is the e-commerce so, guy and this stuff was exactly, really, really important. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So uh, the technology platform facilitates the transaction. So think of them as the Shopify yeah, I see that to, to process investors, right? So that's how I market it. You need, you need that technology platform. They're not, they're not necessarily building your website. You build your landing page, but they're, they're capturing all the investor data. Got it. Okay. And then, so then so they, including the money, which is the next so, step. Yeah. So they don't capture the money, but they facilitate the processing of the funds. So they'll capture the bank information, all of that. And then you need, um, if you're, you're following the flow of funds there, you need an escrow bank. And this is where the money lands into while the KYC and ML checks are being performed by the broker dealer. Got it. So the escrow bank just holds the funds uh, until the broker dealer says, okay, invest the, the, the funds are good to go to be released to the operating account. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah. so that, really the escrow bank cl works closely with the broker dealer. And the broker dealer's job is essentially to uh, ensure KYC and ML checks with each investor. So um, there's a few approaches and the easiest by far is just to um, have a broker dealer uh, facilitate and do, do checks on every single investor in every single state and they take 1%. Awesome. Of and then you went with Rialto, I see. Yeah, so we went with Rialto because um, they, they ended up giving us a very, very, they, 
I, no, I told them the same story with what happened with the VCs and they were very understanding. I really, really love that about them. Uh, they, they didn't really um, charge us a big fee. So that was great. Um, and with um, Rialto, they're coming up with a secondaries market, which is also great as well. So with a secondaries market, it allows reggae investors to trade their shares over the counter, essentially. So that's another reason why we went with Rialto. And then but lawyer, one, crowd check. Yeah, so um, the lawyer's crowd check, obviously you have to go with crowd check. Um, I believe um, Sarah Hanks over there and some of the other lawyers uh, were responsible for some of the laws with um, with um, equity crowdfunding. Yeah, she yeah, she's five miles south yeah. of me, Alexandria. So. Exactly. So for any companies thinking about not using crowd check, I would say they're insane. Um, I've heard horror stories from other reggae companies that use lawyers and got burned um, with their lawyers just trying to learn about how to, you know, create a 1A filing on somebody else's dollar, which I, I don't respect. Yeah. So um, so definitely you have to use CrowdCheck and the transfer agents also part of the group there and their job is to essentially manage the cap table for you to, to issue the shares to all their, uh, to all the investors in the reggae filing. So those and are then, the core partners you need. Yeah, and then you're the issuer, obviously. You got to file a 1A with the SEC. Yeah. And, and you had to have two years of audit financials, right? Yes. So the audit takes the longest by far. If you're a new entity or, um, or just create an entity, then the audit will be quick because there's nothing to audit. Yeah. But if you're an existing entity, if you've never been audited before, start as soon as possible. The audit took the longest for us. It took about that four is... months. Yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so how's it been going for you? Do you, so you're obviously doing the ad spend, which everybody kind of has to do in some way, shape or form. Um, but yeah. where are you in the process today? Today is July 20th, 2021. Yeah. So we raised about 250 so far. Um, we haven't spent a lot of money on ad spend, to be honest, um, oddly enough. And we're actually going to be ramping down. Um, I'm not sure if you've spoken to other companies, but after Apple um, kind of implemented those, uh, anti-tracking provisions on Facebook. Right, yeah. It's been extremely hard to track um, the ads and what's what's happening over there, both on product sales, on e-commerce, yeah. as well as investor acquisition through our reggae campaign. So yeah. across the board, e-commerce, e I know it's, it's tough for everyone right now. Yeah. Um, so what's your plan? What's next? Uh, so for us, um, we have some, uh, I like to say PR or press, um, as a strategy. Uh, the show forward. included, obviously. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm pitching at a lot of events. Um, I'm pitching on the, at the Money Show. I'll be there in Vegas as well. And with the borders reopening up, it's just, you know, hustling hard, going going through the road shows and trying to get the word out there as much as possible. Awesome. Very, very cool. Um, so thanks for coming on the show. Um, I I just had to have you on because your your innovative solution to what it takes for a Canadian company that got left out in the cold by a VC firm to raise money in America during the pandemic. I, it's like, what, what, what'd you say when your back's up against the wall, you get out of the box. Get creative. Yeah. 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 You, get, you force is... yourself to get creative and, and figure it out. You know, that's, I think every great CEO ends up like that. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't be a startup founder if you didn't have stories yeah. like this. Right. Um, well, you get the last word. Um, Tell the audience, um, again, pitch for your product, the company, um, your domain, anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, definitely. So we're raising a reggae directly on our website at invest.hellorise.com. 
Uh, minimum investments just under five hundred dollars. Rise is spelled R Y S E. Yeah. Correct. But yeah. if you type it wrong, it'll still redirect. We we oh, all domains. Cool. Yeah. That was smart. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so take a look, and uh, yeah, I appreciate um, the the interview here. You bet. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. And um, I hope to have you on uh, maybe in a few more months after your, your money show appearance and everything. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks again, Trunk. Have a good one. Thanks.